0: This is episode 211. And I am interviewing Jenna Josephowski, certified personal trainer and kettlebell instructor, as well as yoga teacher, dance teacher and semi retired professional dancer. We talk about why not all movement needs to be joyful, how to approach strength training from a body positive perspective, how to know what fitness advice is meant for you and other red flags to look for when seeking out fitness support. You can find all the links and resources Mentioned in this episode at summerinanin.com forward slash 211. First, I want to give a shout out to Nika T. Lou, whatever that username is. Love, love, love. Why haven't I listened to this sooner? I discovered Summer in, and in while listening to Christy Harrison's podcast and I had to subscribe. I love her messages regarding food and body positivity. I have struggled so long with pseudo dieting and have had more off days than on days, but listening to her podcast always lifts my spirits and keeps keeps me moving in a positive direction. Love her message and would definitely recommend this to anyone having body or food insecurities. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that review. Oh, hey, look, you're from Canada. Woohoo! Shout out to you. You can do me a huge favor and leave a review for the show as well. You can do that by going to iTunes, search for ratings and reviews. No, don't search for that. What am I talking about? Search for eat the rules, then click on ratings and reviews and click to leave a review. You can also Help me out by just hitting that little subscribe button via whatever platform you use to listen to this show. And don't forget to grab the free 10 day body confidence makeover with 10 steps to take right now to feel better in your body. This is the last episode in the installment of the movement series. I may do another installment of it later in the year, but I'm going to put a pin in that for now. I feel like we covered so many different topics and so many different ways of moving your body, whether that be yoga. And now this episode. We're talking about strength training or boxing or, you know, moving your body to be able to age better. And I don't mean like age better, like thwart the aging process, but to be able to continue to do things as you age in life. We covered so many different things. And your feedback on these episodes has been really, really helpful and positive. And so I appreciate anyone who reached out to me and who just DM me to say that they've been loving this series. I'm going to put a pin in it for now and may pick it back up later because there's so many people in the space. I realized like if I have a list of all the people I want to interview, I could seriously do an entirely new podcast on this particular topic because there's just so many great people out there now. So until I can collect like a bunch more interviews of the people who are kind of on my like, I would love to interview list. Then I will come back and do another segment of it maybe later in the spring or the summer. But I'm so glad that you've enjoyed it. I hope you found it super helpful. I'm really excited to Kind of close it out with this interview with Jenna. I love her approach to moving your body. I've known Jenna for a few years now, and it's been so great to see her voice in this space and all of the things that she is offering and talking about. And she really, what I really appreciate about the way that she talks about this stuff is she, you know, notices the nuances of this and she knows that it's not like black and white. It's not just like there's one recommendation for one person that everyone needs to be following. There's a lot of nuance to moving your body and looking for who to follow and who to take advice from. So I appreciate that we get dive into that in this episode. We talk about so many great things. So I think that you're going to love it. Jenna Josephowski helps active women learn to lift and get strong with equal parts, challenge and compassion. She's a certified personal trainer and kettlebell instructor, as well as yoga teacher, dance teacher and semi retired professional dancer. After years of living and working in industries full of diet culture, she got sick and tired of watching people including herself running themselves into the ground trying to uphold the narrow-minded image of what our culture sees as healthy and fit but instead of giving it all up she decided that she'd rather work to call out and change the bs extract the good and help others improve their relationship with exercise for the better you can find her on instagram at it's jenna j and all of her stuff is at it's jenna let's get started with the show Hello, Jenna. Welcome to the show.
1: Hi, Summer. Thanks for having me.
0: I know. I'm so excited to have you here today and share a little bit about how you help people and what you do and your take on exercise or fitness or movement or whatever you want to call it. I'm excited to have you here.
1: So pumped to be here. All the things. Where do we begin?
0: Tell everyone a little bit about what you do, like how
1: you help people, what you do. Okay. So I help women to learn how to strength train without a side of diet culture that it's normally served with. I like to say that I help you do this with equal parts challenge and compassion. And I really just love helping women to tap into their strengths.
0: Yeah. So why? What made you get into that? What was your relationship with exercise? Like, I guess, like, what was the evolution? That's probably the bigger question.
1: (laughs) Okay. So my relationship with exercise was complicated to say the least. And the reason that I feel like it was is because I grew up my entire life as a dancer. I was a dance major in college. I had been a professional dancer and through that had gotten into teaching yoga and group fitness. So that was kind of my entryway into the movement space. It was something that I had grown up with and couldn't imagine my life without. And so there were a lot of wonderful things baked into there. There was, I mean, dancing was obviously my passion. And there were a lot of practices that I had to do with my dancing, be it yoga, that really helped me mentally and physically in a lot of ways. And even running to an extent that I felt was really helpful for me at certain periods in my life. But then I feel like there was also this other side of the coin where I took those other activities and even dancing to an extent sometimes to the farthest possible extreme that I could and started using it as something that was compensatory and something that I used to try to make myself quote unquote, look the parts of being the dancer or the yoga teacher or the group fitness instructor or whatever box I was trying to fit myself into at the time. And so that's where I really started. And when I got into the whole anti-diet movement, it was through more of an undoing of my disordered relationship with food and working on my body image. And through that, I encountered not really a lot of anything when it came to the fitness piece. And so that was a really challenging thing for me to navigate, especially coming from that background of having been an athlete of sorts, I think in the past.
0: So what would you say, like, when you look at how you approach fitness now versus how you used to do it? What would you say you kind of like, what's changed for you? Or what do you do differently now?
1: So I think differently now are a couple of things. But the most important is that now I feel that I approach it from a place of building myself up rather than tearing myself down. And I encourage the same of my clients. I'm now of the mindset that anything fitness related movement related should be something that enhances your life and the things that you want to do and doesn't completely take it over and i think a lot of the language even in the fitness industry you think about how everything is like sculpt burn torch like it's just so destructive and i don't think that necessarily serves a purpose for anybody but especially when you're trying to improve your relationship with it And so when it comes to strength training, first of all, I'll say that's nothing that I ever did prior. In fact, I think that it's something that I might have avoided for fear that it was going to make me quote unquote like bulky, but I stumbled into it kind of backwards unintentionally, I think, because... Ironically, at the time that I finished my personal trainer certification was also around the same time that I discovered the whole anti-diet movement. So I had just finished learning how to do this one thing. And then there's all these people over here being like, this is toxic. And I'm like, shit, what do I do with that? And so I just kind of kept going and kept digging and kept trying to figure out what I could do. And I fortunately stumbled upon uh, one person who was a friend of mine who was exercising and strength training specifically purely from a place of like, this is fun and badass, and let's see what we can do. And so she started teaching me things. And then I had also gotten in contact with the owner of a gym that I started working at later and was like, hey, I'm a new trainer. Can you please just set me up with somebody who's the polar opposite of me so I could learn how to do things? And that person started teaching me barbell stuff and powerlifting related stuff. And none of this was related to the size and shape of my body at all. It was just like, Hey, this is badass. Let's see what we can do. And that was exactly what I needed.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. That's so great. And so like, when you sort of look at your relationship with fitness now, like, obviously, it's really, really healthy and strength training is big. Like, what do you enjoy most? Or like, what does kind of like your movement look like these days?
1: My movement is really eclectic in spite of the fact that I teach a lot of strength training now. And that's, that's what I coach people to do. And it's something that I very much enjoy. It's definitely not something that happens for me all the time. It's one tool in the toolbox. And I feel like for me, strength training is something that I use number one to just Kind of be alone with myself and my thoughts and just kind of express some emotions and get out some of the rage that I feel towards a lot of things in the world right now. I think it's really, really good for that. But then in turn, I think it also helps enhance a lot of the other things that I do, for example, dancing, which I still teach a lot of. And I think that strength training helps me to maintain my strength and skill in that arena as I get older. And then also just my ability to do day-to-day activities.
0: Yeah, totally. Well, you know, like when you're a parent, you're busy too. Like you're just always kind of act, especially when your kid is young, like you're carrying them everywhere. Like I, I remember that first year, like I was so, I felt like I was so active without actually like really doing like a ton of like really intentional activity, like just exhausted from all the walking, like to get my kid to nap and all that stuff. Like it's just, yeah. All that stuff.
1: Not to take this in a completely different tangent, but it blows my mind that a lot of times when you're pregnant, there's advice like don't lift over this much. Don't do this. Don't do that. But then you think about what it's like when you have a kid. I'm like, my life is basically sprinting and deadlifting and carrying this tiny little like kettlebell of a human everywhere. It's exhausting.
0: Yeah, that's actually a really good point. Because you're right. It's like they say, you know, don't lift these things. And obviously, like, lift within like what you're capable of. But yeah, it makes no sense to like, tone it down if you don't need to. Because why would you weaken yourself before you're going into this thing where you need like the most physical and emotional strength
1: of your life? I think that's where following blanket advice around any kind of movement really comes into play and where that importance really comes in that you're discerning about whose advice you're following and understanding whether or not the person giving this advice is speaking to you, because none of this is universal. It's not one size fits all.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. And we'll get into more of that because I think that that's really critical. But first, I just I would love to know, like, what are your thoughts on the way that movement is talked about kind of in like the anti diet
1: or body positive space, if you want to call it that? So I will say this. I think that it's getting better than what we used to have as far as options. I can remember, and I got into this work probably around 2016, I think. And at that time, I felt like there were a million anti-diet dietitians and haze-aligned therapists and body image coaches. And I found that nobody was talking about the movement piece. Now, I think there's a lot more of that, which is great. And... I also feel like you have to know where to look to find it because what I found, particularly at the time that I was approaching this, and I think people could still fall into this trap is really blanket statements that come from somebody who's maybe not super qualified to being able to talk about movement in that way and telling you, Oh, we'll just do like walks in gentle yoga because that's what's joyful for me. And that's not necessarily the case for everyone. I think that the whole joyful movement thing is really, really relative. And if you're not listening to the right people and considering your own lived experiences, it's really, really easy to think that you're doing the whole joyful movement thing wrong.
0: Yeah, I think too, like... A lot of people come into the anti diet space who perhaps like are legitimately recovering from eating disorder, or more specifically, like excessive exercise or like exercise bulimia, or what any of those kind of you know offshoots of like having an eating disorder, where like you probably should just gentle walk and yoga, like to so that your nervous system recovers and you can like recover. But that doesn't mean that that's for everybody, right? Like, is that kind of what you noticed or what you're what you're
1: saying there? Like, that's kind of the way that I see it. Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. Because you think about somebody who's in eating disorder recovery and they're going to need something entirely different than somebody who's not coming from that place.
0: Yeah. So you mentioned joyful movement there. Like what are your thoughts? Cause the term, it's a funny term. Like I know some people like it. Some, some people it resonates with for me, it's like, it just hasn't been like a word that like sparks a lot of joy in me. Like, I don't know. <laughs> haven't been like, yeah, my movement's joyful. I don't know. Maybe I have a high standard on what joy is.
1: Um, <laughs> what do you think about it? When I first heard that term, I imagined Julie Andrews twirling in a meadow. Yes, like, yes, <laughs> yes,
0: yes, yes. Exactly. Exactly. The prancer size lady.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I have found I'm going to speak about this through the lens of my clients. I found a lot of my clients coming to me like this doesn't feel joyful to me. So am I doing it wrong? And then it almost becomes like one other standard that they need to meet. And I think at times movement can feel joyful depending on what you're doing. But I think that there are a lot of different avenues to explore that aren't necessarily joyful, but that don't necessarily fall into the category of disordered. If that makes sense. Particularly, I mentioned expressing rage rageful movement can we make that a thing like it's a good outlet to let go of your feelings whether that's rage or sadness not to say that it's a substitute for therapy because it's not but I think it can feel a lot of different ways and have a lot of different qualities and evoke a lot of different feelings within you and sometimes that joy doesn't necessarily come in the moment that you're doing the thing in the same way that you might imagine if you were twirling in a meadow But it comes later in what that movement is able to afford you. And I think about, you know, when you're talking about chasing your kid around, that perhaps some of the less fun things that I've done, you know, with a kettlebell, then enable me to do things that I do find more joyful. That's a really good perspective. I think I mean, this is me
0: being like a coach now, but it's like, I don't think there's anything wrong with labels, but I think with any label you have to you have to understand your own definition of it. So it's like asking yourself, what does joyful mean to you? What is joyful movement to you? If that like resonates with you and you like it, like all the power to you, roll with that. That's great. And then conversely, like if it doesn't really resonate because you're picturing Julie Meadows, Julie Meadows, (laughs) Julie Andrews, Julie Andrews in the meadow, Julie Meadows, then you know, like you've got to kind to like redefine it for yourself because sometimes for me like movement is like it's something to make me feel more energized or it's like the one thing that I'm actually just doing for myself today that's like alone time and it's so it's not necessarily like a lot of joy but it's also like integral to my overall well being, which then affords me more joy, which I think is exactly what you were. That's exactly what you were saying.
1: Exactly. It's kind of when you think about sometimes people in the intuitive eating space, and they talk about how like not every meal that you eat has to be this like, delightful, gourmet feast. You think about things that you do sometimes with food, like you slap together a PB&J, because it's convenient, and it works and it feeds you. And I think sometimes we can also have like a PB&J workout. Yes. Movement can be like a PB&J sometimes and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with it.
0: Yeah, totally. I love that. Such a great perspective. That's good. So I know you work with a lot of people around strength and I'm curious to know your thoughts on like, when is something that's more structured? Like, and actually, well, maybe the question to start to preface that is what does a structured program look like? And like, is that always a good idea? Like, or when is a structured program a good idea?
1: So I would say, first of all, it's never always a good idea. Nor is anything always a good idea. There's so much gray in there and it depends. I think a structured program is going to look different, obviously, depending on what kind of coach you're working with. So if you're thinking about pursuing some sort of like structured strength training program, for example, I think it's almost important to try a sample. And I think a lot of people do offer samples of their programs. I don't think structure needs to necessarily be rigid. I think it can be really fluid and flexible, but it can be helpful. Number one, if you have specific strength related goal, obviously that you're working towards, but even if you don't, I think in many cases, it can be something that a helps you avoid overtraining. If you tend to do too much, but you've kind of come around that other side of it, I wouldn't say go from a place of overexercising to immediately following a structured program. But I think if you've done that work to improve the way that you look at it, following a program can be really valuable if you have the tendency to overdo it. And I'll give an example. I think a lot of us have previous notions of ourselves in the gym where you feel like you need to work out for X amount of time or burn this many calories or do this and this and this in order for it to be good. And in many cases, especially the way that I program, it allows what you're doing to be enough. And within my programming, I offer a lot of flexibility and my clients and I talk about this too, trying to figure out whether you choose to do the most or the least and what factors kind of play into listening to your body in that way. And it might say like two to six sets of this two to six sets. And that's it. You don't have to do more than six. This is enough. And then you're done. And I think that allows people who like that sort of structure or tend to be rule followers to be like, okay, this is enough. I don't need to go outside and do 20 minutes of burpees now. Like we're good here.
0: Yeah. That's an interesting way of of like framing it. Like I never really thought about how it's actually a way to kind of keep you more (laughs) dialed in than like
1: overdoing it. Do you want to know when I found that to be really useful during pregnancy?
0: Yes. Yes. Me too. Me too.
1: Especially if you're working with a coach who knows you and knows what you need, then, you know, some of us can have a tendency to go too far. It's like, "Mm, just because you can do that today, should you? Is that really the best idea? A hundred percent.
0: And postpartum, like that. I had the same, you know, I've worked with the same coach for years. She's really, really well versed in pregnancy and postpartum. And yeah, it was really helpful. And I think just mentally too, like if you're the type of person that can your ego can kind of get in the way or you compare yourself to ha- what you used to do before, then having that structure can just help you be like, okay, no, that's good enough. Like, <laughs> this is what I'm supposed to do. That's good
1: enough. That's it. And it can also help you to find balance. I think if you're somebody who tends to only like to do certain things, and I'll use an example, like say, we're talking about squats and push-ups, and I love to do squats, but I hate to do push-ups. Well, number one, if you're following a program, your coach might be able to show you like a myriad of other ways to accomplish the same goal as a push up without ever having to touch a push up, which is great. That's what a coach is for. But then also it helps you find balance. So you're like, well, the only thing I know that I like to do is squats. So I'm just going to go squat every day. And then you just wind up, you know, overworking yourself, overtraining a certain muscle and potentially burning yourself out a little bit in certain ways. So just kind of incorporating different ways to approach the same sorts of movements in ways that are both more enjoyable for you, novel for you, and help create balance in your body so that you're not overdoing one thing.
0: That's great advice. So I guess like, what do you suggest for people? Like, how do they go about finding kind of like the right movements or the right exercise
1: for their body? What's your advice there? Cool. Well, are we talking within like a strength training realm? Or are we talking about all of the movement available to you? I feel like all of the movement available to you.
0: <laughs> then maybe you can narrow it down to strength training too.
1: Okay. So it definitely comes down to trial and error a little bit. I think if you're looking at somebody who was maybe coming from a fraught relationship with exercise in the past, I would recommend going for the polar opposites of what you used to do. If you were an obsessive runner or a cardio bunny or something like that, I wouldn't recommend like right from the get go going to improve your relationship with running, like maybe go through the back door, try some kind of different movement, see how that feels with a fresh perspective, and then see if you can bring that back into other things that you enjoy or that you had enjoyed in the past. But also it really comes down to just trying different things. And one thing I encourage my clients to do is to think about their values, like, not just within movement, but like, as a whole human, think about the things that are important to you think about the things that bring you joy in your life outside of movements. And then from there, we can kind of look and be like, Oh, okay, well, you value this thing. And so this kind of movement might be an avenue to explore for you in that way. Yeah, I
0: totally know what you're saying. That's something to do with people when inside my program, because we do values work. So for example, if you value spontaneity, then like going on a treadmill every day is probably not going to be like aligned to that value. Like no wonder you find it boring. So finding something more spontaneous then is going to be better for you is what you're like that as an example.
1: And those values can then turn around and help you find a way to kind of feel like you're making progress without using your weight or the scale or the size and shape of your body. For example, if you enjoy nature, and that's a really big value for you being outside, maybe your goal is not to do some sort of specific movement, but to explore like a bunch of different parks in your state. And we can take that in a bunch of different avenues, but it just, it opens up so many new avenues to think about movement.
0: Yeah, I love that. You mentioned earlier, like not all fitness advice is for you. I'm curious to know, like, how do you suggest people sort of filter out? Because obviously, a lot of people look to social media for advice. Like sometimes that's good, but probably too much of that is bad because (laughs) it does not all apply to you. But like, how do you suggest people filter that out when they're kind of, you know, trying to figure out like how to change their relationship with movement?
1: I think it takes a little bit of investigative work. And the first thing I will say, especially if you're following somebody like one of us, who's a coach, almost everybody has that little, like I help phrase by their, you know, by their Instagram handle. I think about that. I help women learn to lift and get strong with equal parts, challenge and compassion. If you don't really enjoy being challenged, you're probably not going to like, to work with me, particularly in a strength training realm. And that's okay. And that's knowing that. So to be able to look at somebody like me, who's saying like, here are five tips for your overhead press. And then you suddenly feel guilty because you're not doing overhead presses. Well, I'm somebody who helps you learn how to lift. If you're not interested in learning how to strength train, then maybe don't listen to me because that's what I'm talking about. You know what I mean? Likewise, if you're following somebody who, you know, says I help people find joy in movements in recovery from an eating disorder, and you're not in recovery from an eating disorder, then they might be giving advice that doesn't necessarily apply to you at this point in your life, even if you find a lot of the things that they say encouraging and helpful.
0: Yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. Because I think I'm almost hearing like then if it turns into like a should for you, like if it's like, oh, I should be doing this because this other person said that it's like, well, was that advice meant for you? Like, (laughs)
1: is that what you want to be doing? Truly, because you look at this stuff, and you hear the advice, for example, this is something that I actually got a lot was Well, you don't have to move your body if you don't want to. And I internalized that as somebody that loved to move. And I was just like, okay, well, what if I do? Does that mean it's wrong that I want to move my body? Like, And now I can look back at that and be like, hey, that person wasn't maybe talking to me. They were maybe talking to somebody who's not interested in movements. But it's so hard to see that in the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think
0: it's just like, you know, the internet's a weird place like that. Like there's no room for nuance in a post because like, I don't have time to provide you with all the nuance in a post. Like go <laughs> listen to the podcast. That's where you're going to get a lot more nuance or work with me. But you know what I mean? But people like kind of take something as like the gospel. <laughs> it's like, this is what I should be doing instead of like, well... Is that really meant for you? Like, is that what you want to do? Is that aligned to your values and what you want for yourself, as you were saying before?
1: Right. Because at the end of the day, there's a very specific thing that I do within my group program, but there are also services that I offer outside of that in a one on one capacity. And I also know tons now of other movement professionals, and I will do this. If you apply to work with me and I feel like maybe I'm not the best person to help you, be like, hey, Go check out my friend over here because she does that thing. And I think you really need that thing. And there's so much of that to be found that sometimes it takes a little reach out and a little ask and a little research on your own and and you can find that perfect fit.
0: Yeah. So for people who are like looking for whether it be like a a trainer or a class or a program or something like that, like what are some of the like red flags, I guess, if you will, that they should be watching out for to kind of like be like, ooh, like run the other way maybe or this is not for me?
1: I think... There are a lot of ones, and I'm going to say this from a perspective of some of these things might sound like Captain Obvious, but I'm going to say it anyway. And then I'll talk about some ones that are a little more nuanced that you might not necessarily think of. There's obviously like the before and after photos. See one of those, obviously, like run. I hated those before. I hated them, but that's a whole thing. The using your body to sell you things. So that's the like train like me and you'll look like me sort of thing. I think anybody speaking in absolutes and trying to say that their way is the only way, or that's like, do these five exercises for toned arms. Well, there's no, like, that's not a thing. It's not a universal thing. So stop it. It's the shaming language that's in the marketing that's in the queuing. It's, you know, that destructive sort of stuff that I talked about before. It's the stuff that's right in the name, like the get your beach body and all of that garbage. And then there are, I think the more subtle things, it's the people that are trying to push you into extreme or disordered habits that aren't actually healthy, which it can be really to get sucked into this from a place of self care and from a place of wanting to care for your health. But it's also very easy to take something that could be a good thing and take it too far. So that's an important thing to pay attention to. And then also those that that try to blame you sort of gaslight you when you don't get the results that you wanted when you're coming into it. It's like, Oh, well, it's not your fault or it's not my fault. You just needed to do this thing harder. And so those are, I think some of the ones that are a little bit more obvious, but then there are other things too. And one of the big ones that I'm seeing a lot of is people who do things that are not in their scope of practice, because that can be really, really harmful And I think especially in the fitness industry, because there are so many people that are working out of their scope, for example, personal trainers, providing meal plans, for example, we're not supposed to do that. We're not supposed to be giving you mental health advice. We're not supposed to help you rehab your injury. Those are jobs for your therapist, your physical therapist, your registered dietitian. But there are so many people that aren't qualified and working within their scope that it's really easy for the lines to get blurred. And it's really hard to know who is supposed to be doing what job. Even within a fitness realm, there are a lot of people who are group fitness instructors and no shade against group fitness instructors, but might have a certification in say one format but aren't necessarily trained to be giving you advice in other areas. And then they proceed to do that. And it's, you know, it's kind of harmful. A group fitness certification oftentimes gives you the qualification to teach that format safely within that box. But that person might not necessarily be qualified to teach you how to power lift, for example. So it's important to know what the professional that you're seeking out is actually qualified to do. Gosh, there's the pressure to buy things that you don't actually need you know, the supplements, the teas, the powders, the pills, all of that stuff. Gosh.
0: Yeah. I remember all that. Like, I remember when I was a nutritionist, like being, I won't say the person's name, but they had like basically an industry built on like their supplements that like they had like personal trainers, like prescribing these supplements, like for like liver conditions. And I'm like, what? Like, this just doesn't seem right at all. And people were doing it. Like, they felt like they were, you know, because they had taken this person's course and they felt as though they were qualified in that method. And I suppose they were qualified like under that person's method, but that doesn't mean that that method was right and that it was like inside their scope of practice. And even as me as a nutritionist, I was like uncomfortable with that, even though part. Of my training was supplementation. A huge part of my training was supplementation.
1: And there are so many certifications out there now. I feel like almost anybody can pop a course out of nowhere and claim to be creating some sort certi- of certification. There's not really a lot of regulation within the coaching industry. So knowing that the person that you're working with is qualified, number one, but experience. I think speaks volumes too, and just having other clients that they've worked with that seem to be doing well and happy and successful and in whatever you're trying to help them to achieve.
0: Yeah. And I guess another thing too, is like making sure they know how to work with like all kinds of bodies. Like, because I think that that's obviously like a huge gap. I don't know if you can speak to that at all. Yes.
1: And there's not nearly enough training within the fitness industry itself for how to work with a variety of bodies, I think another red flag, if we want to talk about is anybody who makes you feel like you're broken or wrong. If an exercise doesn't work in your body run like for real run, because it's our job. Like my job as the fitness professional, if you're in my space to try to figure out how to make whatever movement we're doing work for you. And I've heard others talk about this as well, but the idea of like modifications, who said that there's like one best way to do something like you take a squat. There are so many different variations of a squat that we could do. And if that doesn't work in your body, then it's the job of the person working with you to help you find a variation that a does work in your body, or b a different exercise altogether that helps you serve the same purpose, if you will, as that exercise, and it takes some digging. And that's, that's literally our job anybody that makes you feel wrong or broken because the exercise doesn't work for you. No, they need to do better.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So like, what's your advice to someone who wants to get into strength training, but like, isn't really sure where to start or where to go or what, what would you suggest they do? So they don't come talk to me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So if we're talking strength training, specifically, I think, working with a personal trainer, specifically one who is versed in and understands health at every size and really understands where you might be coming from as an individual. And there are more of us out there now, I think than ever before. So finding somebody that you can work with, whether that's one-on-one or whether that's some sort of group program, I do think there are more of them popping out there. So my advice would be to pay attention to the people that you're following, specifically if we talk about Instagram, if you're following fitness professionals and you see them doing something, you're like, Hey, I want to do that too. Don't hesitate to reach out, especially If you're talking with somebody who is in this anti-diet space, we want to hear from you. We want to work with you. And I'm sitting here thinking right now, okay, my group coaching program is tailored toward a very specific type of person. Doesn't mean that it's necessarily one size fits all, but if it doesn't fit for you... There are a number of different options and a number of different people that I would love to refer you to for different specialties and different goals or one-on-one work. If that's not something that I have available at the time, I know it can be really scary sometimes to reach out. It personally makes my whole day to hear from people. It really and truly does. Yeah, that's great.
0: And I sort of cut you off there. (laughs) Because you were like, when I said, where do people start? And you were like, come to me, come to me. (laughs) So I just wanted to reiterate that because it might get like blurred in the audio replay of this. Okay, so then tell everyone just a little bit about your tough love strength club. Like, first of all, you use the word tough love, like what's your sort of definition of, of tough love? And then who's the program for and tell everyone a little bit about what it is. Okay,
1: so tough love gets a bad rap. In the fitness industry, and I need to be totally clear that this is not Jillian Michaels, like Fitzbow, Jim Bro, none of that here. For me, the tough love comes from that equal parts challenge and compassion. Because when I think of tough like that word, I think of a resilience and I think of the idea of doing hard things. And when I talk about doing hard things, I don't mean just hard things in the physical sense. I think about hard things in terms of having hard conversations with yourself to maybe like take a look a little bit deeper and be like, "Mm, am I really going on the treadmill because I find this joyful or am I doing this because I feel like I should? You take that tough conversations even into a social justice lens and you think about what it looks like to do what's right, to kind of call out that bullshit that you see in the fitness industry and in the world around you. And just kind of tying that in, because I think when you're approaching fitness from this sort of perspective, like from an anti-diet perspective and you take it deeper, you can't not talk about all of the other things that are embedded into that, whether that be fat phobia, whether that be transphobia, racism, there's so much that plays into why the fitness industry is the cesspool that it is. And so you can't not do that with having those conversations that can be, even though they shouldn't be sometimes tough and uncomfortable. That was a really long tangent. Strength training is hard. Doing it from an anti-diet, haze aligned social justice minded lens is even harder. But I think that you do the tough piece without that love piece. And you know, just kind of having that compassion for yourself and for others. It's really important to have both.
0: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So tell everyone a little bit about your program then. Like, who's it for? Because I know you said it's for a specific person. So,
1: Yeah. So it is for somebody who would like to learn to strength train, who has maybe never done that before, but not necessarily appropriate for somebody who has never moved their body ever. This is for the person who's maybe been... Well, versed in the whole group fitness thing or been an active person, but it's kind of like at the gym over there on the treadmill, looking longingly at the weight section, being like, that's badass. I want to learn how to do that, but also I'm kind of intimidated. So I teach you how to do that from the ground up.
0: Cool. And what's involved in it? Like, how long is it? Like, is it, like, tell everyone a little bit about that?
1: Sure. So, at the moment that we're recording this, it is a six month program with the option to continue on. And in addition to some structured strength training program, and we talked about We talked about that whole structure piece. It's a flexible structure within there. It includes three days worth of strength training workouts per week at maximum. You do not have to do them all. I actually don't care how many of the workouts you do. It's more about what you learn about yourself through the process of strength training. So, in addition to that, we also have bi monthly group coaching calls. There's a whole online course component that literally just kind of digs into all of this, like how to approach strength training without using your weights, your size, your appearance as a measure. It talks about why we do certain exercises the way that we do, why you might choose to do one variation versus another talks about like the fuckery of diet culture and how it seeps its way into the fitness industry and how to fight that off talks about how to listen to your body and what that even means when we've been so conditioned to not, and to kind of tune those cues from our bodies out. Gosh, I could go on and on for days. There are just a lot of different mindset topics that we approach. And then we pick those apart on group coaching calls and talk about all or nothing mindset and dealing with gym intimidation and all of it. So it's uh, basically an all-encompassing program designed to help you kind of reframe your relationship with exercise and then approach strength training from a place of trying to be more of you and do more of the things you love as opposed to trying to make yourself be less.
0: Cool. I love it. That sounds great. That's amazing. So then where can people find
1: more of you? So you can find me on Instagram. I am at It's Jenna J. That's where I spend most of my social media time. And then I also have a website and a blog. It's Jenna that dives into a lot of the stuff that we talked about just in deeper depth. Cool. That's awesome. Well,
0: Jenna, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. It was so fun to catch up with you and hear your perspectives on everything. Thank you so much for having me. This was great. Thanks. Rock on. All right. So much good stuff in that episode. You can find all the links and resources mentioned, including a link to Jenna's Tough Love Strength Club at summerinand.com forward slash 211. I cannot believe it's episode 211. I've got some really great episodes coming up for you. And then we're going to be kicking off the new year with several new episodes of the body image series. Woohoo! I know how much you love that. (laughs) At least that's what some of you have told me. So we'll be back again next week with another episode. Thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate you listening. Rock on.